0: There's just something intriguing about a flame, isn't there? It just draws attention from all around. If there's a fire someplace, more than likely you're going to see people gathering around to see what is taking place. I know that my brother, um, he has uh, an attraction to that. Anytime he hears a fire truck, he wants to get in the car and follow where it's going. And I just wanted to light this candle just to illustrate something to you this morning that in order for that to take place, in order for there to be a fire, to be a flame, there are three key ingredients that is needed to keep that going or to start it. Number one is you got to have heat. I had that with the lighter. You have to have oxygen. There is oxygen in this room, and you have to have a fuel. Without the wick and the candle, there is no fuel there. You remove any of these things and there is no fire. Speaking of what there won't be today, for a long time there will be no PowerPoint. I I have nothing to draw your attention to behind me. We'll just go back to what they used to do years ago, right? And that's just preach. And that's okay too. I'm I'm just going to just going to keep it simple and uh, practical with you this morning. We started our series a few weeks ago, Living Like Mary. Uh, Mary was someone who demonstrated the fire that was inside of her heart. She was drawn to Jesus and her love for Jesus was manifested in how she adored him and how she worshipped him. Do you remember the story we talked about? Uh, Jesus and the disciples came over to visit Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Martha was scurrying around and, and getting everything ready and getting the sandwiches and the pop and the, uh, all the refreshments uh, ready in time, making sure the house was picked up. And there was Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Mary and Martha got on uh, Mary and asked Jesus to tell her to help. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worrying about things that you ought not worry about. Mary has chosen that which is the better thing. Mary had given her heart to just worshiping Jesus. She was drawn to him. She she had an incredible love and it was manifested in how she adored him. Later on in John, we saw where she uh, broke a vial of expensive perfume, probably 30 in today's market, 30 to 50 thousand dollars worth of a perfume. And she busted it and poured it out on Jesus and she dried his feet with her hair. There was not anything that was too great for her Lord. She just wanted to worship Again, there was nothing romantic about this. There was no romantic passion, but she had a love. She had a burning desire to sit at the feet of Jesus, to learn from him, to just be in his presence, to worship him. I think that we would all agree that when someone first comes to Jesus Christ, There is an excitement, there is a passion, there is a flame, there is a fire, there is a burning inside. There is something that has been ignited. And let me ask you this morning, how is the fire in your life this morning? How is the fire in your life for Jesus Christ? Or let me ask you, have you lost the fire? Have you ever had it? To begin with, if you claim to know Jesus, but you've never experienced the fire of heart and soul, maybe it's been a long time since you've experienced that excitement of worship, that burning passion inside to adore your Lord. If it's been a long time or if you've never experienced that, then I would declare maybe your wood's wet. Either you've never truly, truly asked Jesus into your heart and have had that time to where old things have passed away and all things have become new. Or you've allowed something to douse the flame. I want to talk about some things that can dampen our fire, that can keep us from living like Mary. Mary. Two things today, two things next Sunday as we continue on. Let me reiterate again. If I were to go around this room and ask all of you, what does the word worship mean? How many different definitions would we get? Worship is nothing more than pleasing the heart of God. And we do that. And many people think worship is what we do inside of these walls and what millions and millions of people at this moment are doing around the world. But that's really not what worship is. Worship is anything that you do that pleases the heart of God. And really, worship takes place Monday through Saturday, doesn't it? The number one thing that I want to talk about, not the number one, but the first thing I want to talk about to you today that can douse, that can dampen, that can uh, snuff out the flame, the fire of Christ in your life is, I'm, I'm ready to click the clicker, but I have no clicker this morning. First one is complacency. Complacency. I want to just camp out here for a little bit today. Last week I talked about having a false form of worship, that some want a golden corral, buffet-like religion. What do I mean by that? They want a religion to where they can go up to the buffet and they can pick and choose the things about the gospel, pick and choose the things out of this Bible, out of this book that they like. Take the things that look good and leave the other things on the buffet. But whenever we pick and choose what we want, we begin to form a false religion based on what we want. And this will cause us to eventually just go through the motions. I also said that we need to constantly ask the Lord to let us know if what we're doing is based solely out of routine Or tradition. If you remember, we talked last time that Jesus was talking with the Samaritan woman and she said, For years we have been worshiping God on this mount, Mount Gerizim. You Jews think that you should be worshiping in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, A time is coming and it now is to where true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. You see, Jesus came to blow away tradition. We don't really like that, do we? Because we're used to our traditions. Or I can say that sometimes God wants to mess with our routines, routines, routines. They're not necessarily bad, are they? They're a part of everyday life. The average person has a daily routine of getting up in the morning and getting a shower and getting dressed and brushing their teeth and putting on deodorant and and on behalf of family and friends and those sitting around you, I thank you for that routine, routine that you're keeping up this morning. And I ask that you will continue that routine. And while routine is not necessarily bad, in some areas of our life, routine can become a hindrance. Because it can breed complacency. One of those areas is our Christian walk and our spiritual disciplines. What do I mean by that? By this, I mean our approach to things like our time in the Word. Our time praying together with others and by ourselves before the Lord. the Being around brothers and sisters on Sundays or Wednesdays or however often we can get together. And let me just go ahead and just take a little side note here from a prop that was given to me this morning. I'll just go ahead and use this. This was given to me, um, I'm assuming, by one of the sweats. Um and Christy was uh kind enough to drop off a meal to our family this week. And um and we she she brought us uh, uh at the time, why is this not peeled for me like you did earlier this week? She peeled it for me. Oh, she brought the peeler this morning. All right, good. Um it's always nice when you get an orange that's already been peeled, right? The work has already been done. But in order to get to the good stuff, in order to get to the juice, in order to get to the stuff that really tastes good, you've got to work for it. You've got to get your fingers in it. You've got to dig. You've got to peel it back, and it takes time. Folks, the Word of God is the same way. You want the rich stuff. You want the juicy stuff. You want the gold. You want the good stuff. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to peel. You're going to have to get into it. You're going to have to dig. You're going to have to absorb the Word. Right? Thank you, Christy. Appreciate it. If anybody, if, okay, if you remember, I, I played baseball in college, so if I see anybody nodding off, you know, I'm just, uh, no, I'm just joking. My arm is gone. Our spiritual disciplines, sometimes our routines need to change. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am a strong proponent of. Of having a daily, consistent time in the Word. A daily, consistent time with the Lord. If you're not having that, you're not growing. Plain and simple. However, listen to me. Sometimes our walk with Christ can grow stale over time. Now that almost seems like a blasphemous statement, but it's true. Sometimes we need to tweak things in our life. And the question I go back to is, how is the fire, how is the flame in your life? More than likely, I'm talking to some here this morning who would admit that your walk right now might be stale and it might be cold. Maybe your flame is just flickering. And if we allow complacency to creep in, the flame, the fire of our worship will be snuffed out or dampened over time. And when this happens, it's possible to lose. We sang it last week. It's possible to lose the wonder of it all. Whenever I counsel those that are getting married, one of the areas that I hit is the word honor. Honor. What does it mean to honor something or someone? We honor something when we treat it like it's a one of a kind. We honor our car whenever we buy a brand new car, right? We know what it's like to honor that. We wash it practically every day. We pamper it, and we make sure it's clean. And um, we honor a brand new cell phone when we get our cell phones, right? Uh, we get cases and we get the protective cases on it. And if someone wants to look at our new cell phone, we don't want to really give it to him because they wanted you to drop it. And we don't want to drop it. Um, we honor brand new shoes. My, my son has a, has a thing for shoes. He can wear a pair of shoes for a whole year and it doesn't look like he's gotten one speck of dirt on him. I don't know how he does it. Um, we are like that with things in life, aren't we? We can honor certain things like that. When we first fall in love, how do we treat that person with honor? Don't we? We treat it with we treat them with honor. But over time, we lose the wonder and the awe of it all. And after a while, we really don't care if our car is dirty, right? Just so it gets us to where we need to go. If we drop our phone a couple of times, as long as it still makes the call. And our shoes, ah, we'll just get another 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 pair of shoes. And we oftentimes take our spouses for granted as well. And we lose the wonder and awe of that as well. We can become complacent. The same thing can happen in our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we can lose uh, the honor that we once held for Jesus Don't we? We do. Our experience with the Lord, our worship is something that should grow with time. It should get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by, as the old song goes. And if it's not getting sweeter, if your flame is still not lit, then maybe you need to check your wood. Maybe you need to renew a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you need to change up some routines at the same time. Listen, change is not altogether bad. Check your life right now. That question that I ask you, how is the flame in your life right now? If it's not on fire, if it's not hot for Jesus Christ, maybe there's some things with your routine that you need to change. Stephanie and I, if you come to our house, Stephanie and I are constantly changing the furniture around in our house. We just can't stand it if it's in the same place all the time. We like to have a a different configuration. Maybe some of you are the same way. We get tired of the same old, same old. Sometimes routines can become bad routines and change is needed. Let me say that again. Sometimes good routines can become bad routines and change is needed. Why is that, you ask? It's because when our spiritual routines become routine, our worship becomes routine and stale. Now, if what you're doing right now works, then keep it. If what you're doing right now is keeping that uh, flame, that fire alive and burning inside, then keep doing what you're doing. But when our spiritual routines just become routine, Our worship becomes routine and stale. It becomes an uninspired ritual instead of a spontaneous expression of worship. It's called, and those of you who have been in the way for a while, it's called a spiritual rut. Sometimes we get into spiritual ruts. When we get into these, we tend to forget what Jesus has done for us. And this, I believe, is the American church. We are so blessed in this country. God has so blessed us that we have so many things that that entertain us. So many things that satisfy us. And, And God and church is just one of those things. And we'll come if we can get here. And we get into a rut and we forget that we were once sinners. We forget that our hearts were once black with sin. We forget that had it not been for Jesus, our destination is hell, is darkness and blackness. We forget that, don't we? See, that's a rut. That's growing complacent in our walk with the Lord. And that happens so easy in the American church. When we forget what Jesus has done, complacency in. Complacency, when you think about it, it is really one of the worst words in the English dictionary. It's a terrible word. Only bad things happen in the land of complacency. Uh, you know by now I'm a proud fan of the Ohio State Buckeyes. This was a great year for us. Uh, what a wonderful uh, time that we had back in uh, December and January and um, and going into this year, this coming year, more than likely the Buckeyes are going to be number one in, in a lot of the preseason polls. But I sometimes read articles on the team and just, you know, I like to stay up on what's going on. And, and most of the articles that I'm reading are saying that the number one concern for the Ohio State Buckeyes this year is not the quarterback situation. We have three quarterbacks, We have three Heisman type quarterbacks That are vying for a job. That's not the biggest concern. It's not the returning players that are coming back for Ohio State. Out of the top 25 teams last year, Ohio State had the most starting freshmen and sophomores on their team. So it's not the returning players. It's not the new crop of talent that's coming in. We had a really good recruiting season. They said the number one concern, the number one biggest problem for the Ohio State Buckeyes this year is complacency when they've been satisfied with what happened last year and they just kind of go through the motions. Church, we as the Barge Church of God, you as the Barge Church of God, and you and your individual walk with the Lord, we praise the Lord for what He's done in our past, but we cannot build our future on our past. We can't just rest on our laurels. We've got to continue to press on. We've got to continue to remember. We've got to continue to remember there is a vision that God has for us. Let's not grow complacent. Have you grown complacent with your walk with the Lord? Church, realize that many times our worship is directly linked to our Christian routines and disciplines. Is your daily quiet time with the Lord causing you to grow in the Lord? Do you even have a daily quiet time? Maybe you've gotten away from it. Maybe the moment that I said that, something inside of you went ouch. Because you know that you've not been having that time with the Lord that you know you need to have. The more that we grow in our Christian disciplines, the more our love for the Lord grows. And the more that our love for the Lord grows, the more that our worship grows. Listen, this applies as much to me, your pastor, as it does anyone else. Sometimes the demands of everything that I do can get in the way of the things that I need to do. I'm just like you. I get busy. I have demands. It's been a crazy month and a half umpteen trips to Mercy Hospital in Canton and just all the other things of ministry and life and, uh, you know, the temptations to back away from those most important things in life are there. I'm no different than you. See, complacency is kind of like the frog in the beaker, isn't it? You put a frog in a beaker and you just, uh, you know, if, you, if, if the heat is immediately at 400 degrees, the frog's going to jump out of there. But if you slowly over time just turn the heat up little by little by little, the frog doesn't even recognize it's getting scorched and burned to death. It's what complacency does. You've heard of left brain and right brain. In our left brain, or at least the study, there are some conflicting studies out nowadays, but typically the the left brain is the logical side of how we think. It's the analytical side. It's the objective side of who we are. It's where our routines come from. It's not a bad thing. It's where routines and habits are formed and maintained, but then we have the right side of our brain. That's the thoughtful side. It's the sensitive side. It's the compassionate side. It's the feeling side. It's the caring side. This is where the spontaneous side of worship comes from. How we approach our life in Christ, how we worship God, how we live and relate to God on a daily basis Our corporate times of worship. Church, if we're not careful, we can approach all of these things with a left brain mentality. Do you realize that? And before you know it, we're just going through the motions, and our flame and our fire has gone out. Let me give you a couple suggestions. Some of you are saying, Pastor, that's me. I'm not going to raise my hand, but that's me. I've grown complacent in my walk. What are some things that I can do? First off, ask God to help you. First off, make a right brain decision to say, God, I'm going to allow you to help me here. God, I realize that I'm going down a road that's dangerous. I realize I'm going down a road of complacency and that don't want that, Lord. Renew the fire. Psalmist David said, renew the spirit, a steadfast spirit within me. Let me give you a couple of suggestions, though, practical suggestions. It starts with our heart before the Lord. But perhaps someone here needs to change up the times that you read God's word and you pray. Um, I've always grown up um, hearing preachers and teachers say, you've got to wake up at 430 in the morning and you've got to spend two, three hours every day in the word and prayer. You know me by now. I hate mornings. I can't stand mornings. And I'm not awake. You know, don't talk to me until it's 10 o'clock, you know. So, but then I recently heard, uh, uh, Reverend Massey from the Church of God in, 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 in Columbus when he spoke. He said, you know what? God knows your temperament. God knows your disposition. God knows that you might not be a 4.35 o'clock in the morning person. Find that time that is your time. Find a time that you believe you can most be in communion with God and wrap your devotional time around that. And be consistent with that. Keep a prayer journal. Indicate when God is answering prayer. These are some changes that maybe you can make. Enter into a time of personal Bible study with someone else. Another believer, whether it be a believer at work, maybe it's someone here at church. Here's a novel idea. When you're in prayer, just spend time listening. There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Amen. We don't like to just sit in silence. It makes us nervous, doesn't it? Every once in a while I'll be driving down the road and I'm thinking, okay, i got to turn this on, I've got to turn that on, or we're talking in the car when I'm by myself. But sometimes God just wants us to listen. Open up our spirits and open up our ears before him because he has things to say. But most of the time, we're the only ones that are doing the talking. Perhaps you need to spend your entire prayer time just praising him and thanking God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if those of us who are parents, every time our kids came to us and before they asked us for the keys, or Parker's now doing that, before they asked us for money or before they asked us if this, if they said, oh, by the way, Dad, I just want to thank you for how awesome you are. Jenna, Parker, got that? (laughs) By the way, Dad, I just want to thank you for... And then they they just go on and they take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and all they're doing is just thanking me. How would that make us feel, parents? How do you think it would make our Heavenly Father feel if we begin our time just praising him? You say, well, I would run out of things. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Let's just do it here for a second. Lord, I thank you for those fans that are spinning right now because they're helping keeping our atmosphere, our environment comfortable. Lord, I thank you for my health right now. I feel great. I have no pains. I have nothing. I can see you as clear as day. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for food that is in my fridge. Lord, I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my kid. You see, it just goes on and on. Just thanking. Have times to where you don't even ask him for anything. Just say, God, you know my needs. You know what's on my heart. You know what's going on in my life. The Lord, I'm just going to praise you. Do it. Another suggestion. Maybe you need to have times of prayer and fasting. Maybe maybe you're really serious about this and you want to take some time and and just fast. Maybe you want to just pour out your heart and say, God, I want you to get a hold of me and God, I'm so serious about it. I'm going to fast food or I'm going to fast TV or I'm going to fast chocolate (laughs) or I'm going to fast whatever it is that is most important in my life. With me, it would be ice cream. I love ice cream. Here's another one. Instead of reading a lot of chapters every day, sometimes we get into thinking that, uh, boy, if I'm not reading two or three chapters every day, I'm not I'm not being the Christian that I need to be. Uh Uh. What I would suggest is take just a portion of a chapter and just read it and stop and ponder. That's what I do. Sometimes I don't get past just one or two verses. Those verses just explode off the page. And God begins to minister to me. You don't have to read a ton of passages. Make sure you're understanding and ask God, Lord, what is it that you have for me here? Maybe someone here needs to begin taking notes on what God and the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. Oh, this is something I've recently started doing. I've taken the promises of God and his word and I have begun began to pray those promises. Try it sometime. Hold on a second. We read this often enough. But how about praying this? But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Or let's do this. But now, says the Lord, who created you, Brock. He who formed you, Brock. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you Brock by your name. You are mine. (laughs) We're his. Do you realize that we are his and he just told us that we are his? See, already as we contemplate and we read and we pray through the promises, we're communing with God. You are mine. Brock, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, Brock. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt your ransom and Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, Brock, you have been honored and I have loved you. That's just one promise. And as you begin to do this, your prayer time turns into a worship fest. I go on. Doing your times of prayer, make sure that you're praising Him. Perhaps just listening to worship songs or songs that bless your heart. Pray and worship God during this time. I did this yesterday as I was doing the laundry. I stuck my headphones on my my uh, and my music, and I'm just going around the house. Some of you do this. You, there's nothing so new, but some of you haven't. And I just began and i never had such a good time doing laundry in all my life. It's possible, isn't it? See, that's what it means to worship the Lord when you worship him throughout your Monday through Saturdays. One more thing and then I'll need to get moving. Uh, One one thing that I'm doing now is I uh, pick two or three topics that you've always been curious about. Something that you thought, I wonder what the Bible has to say about this. And begin to read through the Bible. And every time that the Bible speaks on that topic, underline it and highlight it in a different color. Right now I'm going through the Bible and the two words that are on my heart are holiness and leadership. Any time that I come across anything that has to do with holiness, I'm highlighting it in pink. Any time that I run across anything with leadership, I highlight it in yellow. And by the time that I'm done, I'm going to have a whole my own personal study, and I can just open it up and every time I want to look at something that has to do with holiness, just look at the pinks and they're going to be all over the place. And then when I'm done with that, you know what, you have to go get another Bible to do another study, but that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Complacency. It's like poison. Avoid it at all costs. Check your heart. That's one thing I spent the majority of my time on that. Let me just let me just kind of close on number two here. The second thing that can snuff out the fire of worship in our life is when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is just like taking oxygen away from that flame right there. Philippians 3.3 says that, quote, we worship God in the spirit. Or in other words, we worship by the Holy Spirit. Look, we've recently studied the Holy Spirit. We have recently had some series on the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit leads us and he guides us. He gently persuades us if we are going astray. But if we turn away from his leading, this grieves him and this quenches any work that he desires to do within us. Dare I say that right now um, we could probably peer into all of our hearts and you would have to. And if you were honest with yourself, you would have to say, I know Not what I would tell people or not the facade I would try and put on. But I know there is something that the Holy Spirit has placed upon my heart. And I'm not doing it. And I'm probably grieving the Holy Spirit. The definition uh, of quench, quenching the spirit is another word that we use. The definition of quench is to extinguish as in putting out a fire to snuff out, to smother, to douse or suppress. The verse I'll have you turn to is Ephesians 4. Turn with me just for a few seconds here. Ephesians 4, a familiar passage with many of you. Ephesians 4, 30 and 32. Yeah. yeah. Ephesians 4, 30. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Um, Just to be real with you, again, I tell you, I'm just like you. Not long ago, unintentionally, wasn't even thinking about it without forethought, forethought, I did something to um, grieve my wife. Something that just happened in the moment. And when I looked at her... And I I saw the look on her face. I thought to myself, wow. (laughs) I really hurt her. And whenever I realized just how bad that I hurt her, I hurt. And it quickly made me make amends with her. Think of those times in your life to where, you know, you've probably done wrong and you've really hurt someone and you can almost see the pain on their face. Folks, whenever we grieve the Holy Spirit, we hurt him. We quench whatever work it is that he is trying to do in our heart. The Holy Spirit is trying to make us more like Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is trying to draw us into more of a fellowship with Him. He's trying to get us to be what He wants us to be. And when we say, no, I refuse, I'm, we're hurting Him. We're hurting the one that came into our hearts. We don't want to do that. If you and I truly want spirit-led times of worship, both in here corporately as a church, And in our own individual lives, we must make sure that there is nothing in our lives that is hindering or grieving the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and we must make sure that our bodies we recently studied this as well. Did we not? Our bodies begin with our. Mind. Someone was listening. Our bodies begin with our minds, and then the flesh is a result of what we allow in our mind. Remember that our bodies, our temples, our minds are just that. They're the housing places for the Holy Spirit. And we must do all that we can to make this a fit place to live. You can't do it yourself. It's a work of the Holy Spirit to change you while he's in there. Grieving the Holy Spirit. Man, that's one of the things that can snuff out the fire of God in our life. Let me end with this story, and then I'll be done. Some of you may know this story. It's it's from the story Great Expectations, written by Charles Dickens. The main character was Miss Havisham. Miss Havisham was a wealthy single aristocrat who lived in a mansion, yet she was engaged to be married at this time. The big day finally arrives and everything is ready. The wedding cake is prepared. The mansion was all decorated. There was a Thanksgiving-type feast ready. The guests were on their way. Everything was set. At precisely ten minutes before nine, a message arrived. The groom would not be coming. He ran off with another woman. From that moment on, time stood still for Miss Havisham. Years would pass, but from that fateful day on, every clock in the mansion would stay registered at ten minutes to nine. Every day she wore the same wedding dress with the same veil in her hair, now tattered and faded, yellowed with time. The window she kept covered with heavy drapery so that no sun could come in. And for decades the mansion, ready for a wedding, was frozen in time. There sat the wedding cake and the Thanksgiving meal that was now rotting on the very tables they were years before. Mostly carried off by rats and spiders. Rats could be heard moving behind the walls. And in Charles Dickens' story, Miss Havisham later went on to say, quote, that sharper teeth than those of the rats have been gnawing on me for years. Church, the word of God tells us that bitterness Envy, anger, clamor. If you don't know what clamor is, clamor is loud shouting. It's out of control. It's out there. Malice. When we hold on to these things, they grieve the Holy Spirit and they steal our experience and worship in Jesus. I told you the story and I'll just quickly recap it. When I preached down in Winchester several years ago, I talked about grieving the Holy Spirit. And there was that man. He came up afterwards and he told me, he said, there is a man that I've been holding bitterness against for years. And he said, we finally made it right before God this morning. I went up to him and he had no idea that I was bitter at him. You see, for years, that man was the worship. He had no worship before God because the Holy Spirit was trying to get him To give that up. Complacency. Grieving the Holy Spirit. Those are things that will snuff out the fire quicker than anything. We will talk about two more things next week. But maybe there's someone here this morning. You realize that there is complacency inside. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here that you would acknowledge that you're turning away from God and the Holy Spirit. It might might just be an entire salvation experience. Maybe you've been waiting to come to Christ, but maybe there's some of you that are in the way, and there's something in your life that you keep saying no to that will snuff out the flame. You don't want that to happen. We want others to see the fire and the flame of Jesus Christ in our life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. We're just going to close with a song. We could make this a time of invitation. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? Bow your heads. Close your eyes, please. Father God. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Every message that I preach, I first preach to myself. Oh, Lord. Would you renew that spirit within me? Father God, we don't want to be complacent. We don't want to grieve you, Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's anything in our life, Lord, maybe it's just something as simple as our routines. Maybe something needs to change in our life. We need to renew, rekindle. Maybe we just need to do some changing. Father, we want you to do the changing. We want you to do the work. Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for meeting with us this morning, Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's anything that's on anyone's heart this morning, Lord, maybe they just want to, right there in their seat, maybe they want to come down to the altar and renew that relationship with you. Whatever it is, maybe that has laid upon their heart. May they just obey and do what you want them to do, God. Yes, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?